Good morning. Good morning. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to worship at ICLG. We're honored to be here today. Giving God our honor, giving God glory, giving God praise. In your worship, I just pray that you remember that he is the king of glory. We need him to fill our hearts, our homes, our community. We need the presence of the Lord. So it's a good thing that you've tuned in today. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I showed you members, welcome. Those that have been visiting with us, welcome. It's good to worship at this time and in this place. Our hearts are filled, I'm sure, as your hearts are, are moved. Not only are we moving through a COVID experience, but we have so much unrest and issues in our community. The, the passing, the murder of Brother George, George Floyd and the protests that are happening across the world and in particular in this nation. You know, our hearts are, are, are heavy. Our hearts are torn. And even in this time of worship, we got to focus on God, give him praise. But he allows us the space that we need to be able to deal with what we're going through. So I want to encourage you. I know on last week, we, we continued the, the message of, of I Connect and so much of what we talked about was relevant because I hear God very clearly, but I didn't get to speak about it in terms of what we're experiencing as a nation. So we're going to do a little bit more of that today. Um, I just pray that you continue to keep uh, the nation in prayer, keep me in prayer as we talk about it. These things aren't easy, but they need to be discussed. The Bible does not run away from any issue. And we need to be able to handle the issues that God places in front of us by his spirit. So we thank God for the opportunity to continue the series today on I Connect, and the subtitle is A Community of Love, Part 2. A Community of Love, Part 2. And again, just continue to pray right where you are, continue to keep your hearts open. This is not about sermon delivery, style of preaching, it's none of that. We just need to allow God to, to deal with our hearts, because our hearts are heavy. And I heard in the spirit as we started this, this ser series on I Connect about how important the community was going to be as we move forward. And as you hear that, you see that there's a broken community. Our, our national community is broken. Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, our national community is broken. Our local community has brokenness in it, has challenges in it. The black community, the African-American community, we're hurting, we're going through. There's brokenness. There's pain. There's pain in, in the community of, of the church. We can't lie about that either. The church is broken. And what we see is we, we see a lot of, of reaction. I know for me, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of tempered with my reaction, but it's okay to react. You know, but oftentimes our reaction, it's, it's, it's a survival tactic. It's, it's a defense mechanism. And sometimes we, we regret some of the things that we do. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we react to situations and we say something or do something that we regret later. But that's our reaction. That's our defensiveness. That's our, uh, our survival orientation. And so we do react. But there's something else called a response. And a response is... It's slower. It comes more slowly. It's, it's, it's based on the information of our conscious mind and our, our unconscious mind. But we think about our response. And it's important that we don't just react to what's taking place 
in the community that we have a, a response that we hear from heaven about how we need to respond. And I know I'm moved. There's a video that's gone out. It, it really hit me where you had a 45-year-old brother who was protesting and he was livid. He was hot about what's going on and he's sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing the same thing over and over again and he, he doesn't want to sit around and sing kumbaya he don't want to have he's done with that he's tired of it but then there's another 31 year old brother who's who's encouraged him to say, i've seen the same thing i've seen the same thing and i'm tired of it too you know but there's certain things that we just cannot do to to destroy ourselves but the big thing is he brought in a 16 year old young brother and it's challenging the brother. He said, you see the pain, and I feel your pain because we've lived this pain longer than you have. But I'm challenging you as a 16-year-old in your generation to come up with something different, a different strategy, a different approach about how we can deal with this nonsense that we're continuing to deal with over and over again. And my heart is moved because I know that there's greatness in this generation of even 16-year-olds that are there but we can't put weight on them that, that they cannot bear. You know, what, what, what new can they come up with to deal with some of this nonsense? Then I, I, I saw a video with Dr. Eric Thomas, who's also a pastor. He talked about this thing is a commitment. It's a commitment. It's not just something that happens in the moment. When you look back at the greats of Dr. Martin Luther King and the bus boycott, that was over a year long. People had to sacrifice for over a year. It wasn't just a day of protest. It wasn't a weekend of protest. It wasn't a week-long protest, but it was something that took a commitment. It took a, over a year of a bus boycott to break certain things and that we have to have a commitment. As we talk about a commitment to our community, a community of love, it's gotta be sustainable. It can't be something that we just deal with in, in the temporary moment when, when there's an issue right in front of us, but it's gotta be something that we are committed to in the long term. Commitment to love, commitment to sacrifice, commitment to loyalty, all of this is relevant. As we've been talking about the type of community that we have to have. But I share deeply today because I, I, I'm troubled by what I see in the community. If you watch an eight-minute video of somebody's life being taken from them, it's troubling. I don't see how you could have breath in your body and not be troubled by it. But church, I, I, I've got to let you know that, that I'm also troubled by the brokenness that's in the church community. The brokenness that's in the church community. Yes, we're hurt as a church by the injustice that we see, but we've also got to be hurt by the hypocrisy and the complicit behavior that we as the church have been while this has been going on. It ought to break our hearts that, that we who know the gospel have been silent and been complicit into a lot of this nonsense. Our own hypocrisy, our own passiveness should break our hearts too. And yeah, we have blind spots. We got to be honest, we all have blind spots in our life, but sometimes it's not even a blind spot of stuff that we see in our very, our very eyes and we've done nothing. And, and I'm here to decree and declare to us that, that God is moving. He's, this not happened by accident, but he gives us an opportunity. And correction and judgment doesn't start with the world. It doesn't start with, 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 with the people who don't know him. It starts with his own children. 1 Peter chapter 4, 17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Correction starts with us. We've got to take a look at ourselves. God is correcting his church. 
where are we in all of this? The church can't be at the back of the line when it comes to reform. The church can't be at the back of the line when it comes to reform. I thank God for sports figures, and I don't can't judge. I don't know who knows the Lord and who doesn't, but sports figures can't be at the front of the line while the church stay in the back. The church has to get to the front of the line when it comes to reform. We've got to be able to deal with, with the reality that if you were born in America, you, you, you were born in a sinful dynamic. I'm sorry, but America, we love the ideals of, of religion in America, but, but America has always been in sin from its very inception. And if you were born, even in the church, the American church, we, we've been in fact infected by the sin. It's, oh, it's like it's in our DNA. Racism and hatred have been a part of the American church since, since, since we've been here. And we can no longer continue to ignore it. We've got to understand and ask ourselves the question, is the love of God greater? Is the gospel of God stronger? And be able to demonstrate to a dying world that, yes, there is power in Jesus and there's truth in the gospel. I'm troubled today, and I've got to challenge us as believers and challenge the church that we've got to see and do better. So when we get back into our core text of talking about the community in the book of 1 John, I believe the Holy Spirit and his writing helps us with some things. And we want to turn to 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse number 10. We'll read a few verses, and then we will go to chapter 4 at verse number 20. 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse number 10. It says, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was the the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abideth in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Chapter number four, just a couple of verses for context. Verse number 20 says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. God, we honor you for this tender moment as we as your church, as we pause and hear your word. God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving even on the inside of our hearts. God, you're healing our hearts. You're you're touching us. You're encouraging us. You're reminding us that you never leave us nor forsake us. So help us to be open to your truth today. Help us to hear the message, Lord, that you sent in your word. And so we thank you, Lord, for healing the community, bringing conviction and change to your church, and allowing us to be the community and have the community and stand for a community that you've called for, that's right and righteous, that's light and salt, and what you created us to be. 
God, help us demand that this community exists within the church and beyond. And we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I connect. We've got to connect to a community of love. And we talk about love being an action. The truth of who we are and where we are in our journey is demonstrated in what we do, not in what we say and what we do. And, and we see as our nation, we've come a long way, but you can also see as a nation that we've got a long way to go because what we're doing is still the same stuff that was happening years and years ago. And as a church, it's not all we could proclaim to be, but it, it's, it's what we do that's really defining who we are. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. We talked about that last week. Our, our definition of love is not what I think or what you think, but it's, it's defined by how God has loved us. That's how he modeled it for us. It's a, it's a God-driven approach. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. That we're not known as, as being believers by anything, but, the, but really the love that we demonstrate one for another. That's why he told us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, look, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Look at it intently. And it's reality we talk about. It's hard to, to love people if you have not been loved. And the challenge is, is, is we got a lot of modern-day Pharisees, if, if we would be honest, is, is we, we've got all of, our, all of our doctrinal positions right. We, we've got all of these statements right. But the truth of what the gospel is all about, we seem to be missed. And it's hard for us to, to even identify with somebody who's dying there right in the street because we've never been in a place where we've never had somebody's uh, uh, a knee on our neck before. We've never been in a place of needing grace. We cannot, for some reason, we think that we were born righteous and we, we knew everything about the gospel and we have everything correct and, and there's never a need in our life. And when we have people who are leading us, even in the church, that that's their position, it's hard to even have empathy or identify with the need of someone somebody else and, and and it's a problem and so when, when our doors are closed because there's a pandemic going across the nation we're, we're outraged because we want to be able to get in and how how dare you take away or, or trump my american rights but when human rights are clearly being violated we can't hear a word from you it has to change that has to change we can't be modern day pharisees within the church We've got all of our doctrine and positions and all that stuff right, but, but when it comes to, to basic humanity of justice and mercy, uh, we're, we're quiet. He tells us in the scripture, he says, the love that you've got to have in your community, he says, don't love like Cain who murdered his brother. So don't love like Cain who murders a brother. You look at Genesis chapter 4, you see the story of Cain and Abel, that, that Abel brought a sacrifice that was good to God, and God accepted it. Cain's was not accepted, and he murdered his brother. But let's talk about who is your brother. Well, in this context that John is talking about, our brother is the fellow member of the Christian community. So somebody who's been born again, somebody who's in Christ is your brother. But he says this in 1 John 3 and 14, he who hates his brother is a murderer. So if you have hatred toward your brother, he says it's like murder. And what is hatred? Hatred is strong dislike or will towards a person or a thing. 
We've got to understand that concepts like love and hatred, they're not just emotional ideas, but they're positions. When you have a love towards somebody, my position towards you is I'm going to do what's in your best interest or what's best for you. That's my position towards you. But when you have hatred somebody, it's ill will and ill intent towards you. And it's not just a feeling or emotion, but it's a position that I have towards you. And there's hatred in this nation. And I'm here to declare to us that we must deal with the spirit of hatred that's running rampant in our country. Hatred is here. It's a position that there's certain people that I'm not going to be for you or or, or, or with your best interest that I'm going to be against you. I'm going to have ill will towards you. I'm going to make life difficult for you because that's the position that I've taken towards you. It's a spiritual thing. And those of us who know the Lord and understand how things work in the spirit, we've got to be on our job because the spirit of hatred has to be broken in this nation. It's about hatred. And the leaders at the top cannot be filled with hatred. We cannot allow that to continue to happen because the reality is the spirit of the leader will rest on the people. And so if there's the top is, has hatred, what do you think is going to happen with the people? Hatred is going to show up. It's going to pop up because hate and death go together. You wonder why you see much, so much death is because you have so much hatred that's existing. Hate and death go hand in hand. You're not going to be able to separate the two. Proverbs 10 and 12 says this, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers sin. When there's hatred, there's always going to be agitation. There's always going to be strife. There's going to be disagreements over fundamental issues. And that's what we have right here in this nation. Because there's hatred, there's strife and disagreement over fundamental issues. Why do we have to ask the question, do black lives matter? It shouldn't even be a question that we have to ask. It's a fundamental issue of human life, but yet we're still asking it in 2020. Hatred. It stirs up strife. Something we got to deal with, Matthew 5, 23. He says, therefore, Jesus said, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. In other words, he said before you even come to God with your offering or your gift, you need to go deal with your brother. Because if your brother has an issue... And we've got to understand that there is an issue. And I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm an African-American believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a person of color, and I'm here to say that there's an issue. I have ought with some people who are not seeing me as human. The issue is not just in police brutality. That is a symptom or manifestation of a greater issue. There seems to be a dynamic that people who have color on their skin are less than human and can be treated as less less than human, can be treated like they're a dog or some type of animal and don't have rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness like everybody else has. That is a fundamental problem because we too were made in the image of God. That's the issue. We have to be able to declare and articulate what the issue really is. 
I know police brutality gets all the publicity in the press, but the deeper issue is that we're being devalued. We're not being treated as human beings created in the image of God. We got to first deal with that and reconcile. This isn't talking about the church. He said you got to deal with that and reconcile those particular issues first before you come to God. We can't have church and make all these wonderful songs that we think are, are, are theologically correct and, and we worship, but yet we allow this to go on year after year after year after year, but yet your brother has issue with what's taking place. There's got to be a point of reconciliation, and it's got to start with the church. He said, Cain, don't love like Cain who murdered his brother. We got to understand that Cain's murdered Abel and it was premeditated. And you look at Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says that he murdered him. And that because, but before he did that, he said they had a conversation. He said he talked to his brother and then he took him in the field and murdered him. Now, I'm not trying to say what he said because the Bible doesn't necessarily articulate what he said. But we can understand very clearly that he wasn't reacting. Cain did not react to Abel. It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. He thought about this thing. It was, it was an intentional act. And we've got to understand and accept the reality that the way that we treat people of color is not just a reaction or look. It just so happens to happen. But it's, it's, it's intentional behavior. It's intentional policy. It's intentional strategy that's designed to be ill will towards people of color. And we've got to understand that it's happening even in this very nation. And at the church, we can't sit by passively. He killed his brother because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain didn't want to deal with himself. We have to understand, Cain didn't want to deal with himself. God says to him, if you would just do what's right, you would be accepted. But he didn't want to deal with himself. And how many realize that it's easier to murder somebody else than to deal with your own issue? And that's how it is. We, we don't want to deal with what's on the inside of our cup. And so it's easier to just go ahead and eliminate somebody else. How do you think Jesus got on the cross? Jesus came and he began to show folk what was really going on, not on the pretty outside, but what was happening on the inside of their lives. And, and they, they didn't want to deal with themselves. They, they didn't want to humble themselves. And so they'd rather put him on a cross and kill somebody who they knew full well did absolutely nothing wrong. But instead of dealing with themselves, instead of being empty of themselves and saying, Lord, save me, help me, let the God gospel delivered me they decided to kill somebody else we as a nation we, we we've been turning a blind eye we, we rather people die than to deal with our own iniquity deal with the fact that yes america is a great country but america is filled with hatred and racism even the church has to admit that we are touched by the same thing it's easier to get rid of somebody else we got to understand in our community that our community must be responsible, right? Our community must be responsible for each other. That's why Cain says to God, God says to him, hey, hey, where's your brother? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? He, he flippantly says to God, am I my brother's keeper? So let's deal with that for a minute. He first acknowledged that Abel was his brother. Yeah, it was easy for him to do that because that was his biological brother. But we've got to acknowledge, is, is somebody of a different ethnicity, is, are, are we your brother? <laughs> you know, if I know the Lord, I'm walking with the Lord, am I your brother? Can, can I be your brother? So we talk about who your brother is. Who's your brother? Am I your brother? 
Do, do, do you care about me? And then how did Cain even get to know to say, am I my brother's keeper? The reality is deep within himself, he knew he was responsible for his brother. He knew he had already killed him, but he knew he was responsible for his brother. We, our community must be responsible for caring about the welfare of our brother. We can't have a community where people are not responsible for our brother. We can't see our brother hurting. We can't see our brother dying. We can't bring our brother suffering and it not move us. And we not care about this. And we can move away flippantly and say, that's not my problem. Or am I my brother's keeper? My brother's response. Yes, we are our brother's keeper. We know that inherently within ourselves. Cain asked the question because he, he knew deep inside, even though he was being sarcastic and smart mouth, he knew that he was his brother's keeper. He should know about his whereabouts. He should know about what he was going through. He should know about how he was feeling. He should understand those things. And as pastors and pastors of people of color and, and, and husbands and wives of people of color watching these things over and over again and parents being concerned about letting their sons go out and just be in places. Today, you can be jogging. You're not doing, you're simply jogging through a neighborhood and something could happen to you. Parents, I remember my wife was, my, what, I saw some young men get assaulted at, at, because they were coming back from playing basketball. And, and, my, and, and my wife was in tears because my son was out in the community playing basketball. It could have been our own son, but why do we have to go through that? And, and when you see your brothers hurting, you see pastors trying to labor to people that are hurting, and how come we don't see our brother, the situation, are, are worried about the keeping of our brother? It's got to change, and that change doesn't start with the world. I'm talking to the church. Matthew 5, 25, you would say, well, I'm not worried about people who are not in the faith. He says, even if you see your adversary, <laughs> even if you see your adversary, and you know there's an issue, he says, resolve it before he bring you to the judge and you be condemned. We're made in the image of God. We can't simply allow people to just die on the streets for no reason. It can't happen. There's a responsibility. We got to answer to God who left us here with this message of the gospel. We gotta, we've got to answer to him. John's teaching us about this community and it's reflective of how we're experiencing even today. He says the true church, the true community, the true gospel. He says this in chapter 4, verse number 12. He says, no one has seen God at any time. And let's remind ourselves of that. Nobody here has seen God at any time. Because God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. A major point I want to make here is, is we must love one another so God can be made visible to a dying world. <laughs> We've got to love one another so God can be made visible to a dying world. People see Jesus when they see us loving one another. 1 John chapter 4 and 20 says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. Our community 
must work to meet the needs of our brother. I'm going to say that again. Our community must work to meet the needs of our brother. 1 John 3, 17 says, but whosoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? If someone comes to your house and in need of bread, in need of food, and you have food in your cabinet, in your refrigerator, and you do not give it to your brother, the love of God ain't there. Most of us look at that in the natural and said, I would never do that. But he says here, he, he says, if you have this world's goods, and we got to understand something that this world's goods to me doesn't just mean bread. It doesn't just mean food. But in this world, some people have something called access. Can I talk to somebody? Sometimes people have access in this world. Some of us have opportunity. Can I talk to somebody? We have opportunity in this world. Why is that important? Because if you have access and you have opportunity and yet you see your brother in need and you don't provide that, then come on. What, is, what does scripture say for us? That, that uh, is, the love of God is not showing forth out of us. Why is that important? Because you see people dying in the street. I heard Joe, Joe Burrow, I think that's his name. Yeah, Joe Burrow, who's the quarterback and just got drafted by, by, by the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. He's a sports player. I don't know his, his background, whether he's a Christian or not, but he says something that I find intriguing. He says this. He says, the black community needs our help. They have been unheard for far too long. Open your ears, listen, and speak. This isn't politics. It's human rights. And so what I'm saying, here's somebody that has access and has opportunity, and he's doing the very basic thing of speaking up. Somebody say speaking up. He's doing the very basic thing of speaking up. But my question is, does the church see this? Why does it take a, a, a football player to be able to speak to a situation when I'm concerned about people who are in the church, people who are pastoring large churches right here in America, people who speak up about all kinds of issues all across America, but yet when situations like this, you're not saying a word, yet you have access because people in high places listen to you and talk to you. But are you taking the opportunity to open up your world's goods, this world's because I'm not talking about what's happening in the kingdom because we all have access to kingdom stuff. But sometimes by favor and by privilege, and I'm particularly talking to our white Christians, I'm not trying to be racial. I'm just telling you the issue of it. We have access to stuff. We have opportunity to people for people, and we don't use it to deal with an issue. You got to be able to speak up. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, that we got to speak the truth in love. Why is that important? It's because in order for us to grow up and to be like Christ, there's some things that have to be said that we've got to be able to speak in love. And too often the church is silent. I'm telling you, silent. I'm looking around trying to hear from national preachers about what they're saying about the death and tragedy, and I cannot find any content about what they're saying. Two weeks ago you were saying all kind of stuff about open up the church and, and where's your Second Amendment rights and all 
of these types of things, but a brother dies with a, an officer on his neck and you're not saying a word, not a Twitter, not a bleep, not a nothing. But yet you have accent because I see you down here in Washington, D.C. I see you, but I can't hear you right now. That has to change because things have to be spoken. I'm speaking as a brother to you that you got to be able to do some things and use this world's goods to bring about change. We can't be like Christ. The church looks jacked up. We look broken. That's why people listen more to LeBron James and anybody else. And I'm not doubting or saying anything about their faith, but I'm saying people look more to sports figures than they do us because we're sitting here silent. It has to change. We got to speak up. And I'm here to tell the church it's time to speak up. We've been silent way too long. You got to keep talking. And, I, and I'm glad people are protesting. Now, we don't need to tear up our own stuff. And hurt our own people, but we've got to be able to speak up. And we say enough is enough. We gotta have our voices heard. But people who hear us and know that we're talking gotta be able to speak as well because it's our brother. I'm talking about the brethren of the church. You can't have pastors wearing themselves out trying to minister to a community, but you say nothing. And still ride with privilege and still ride with opportunity and still have access that you withhold and keep for yourself. But don't move on the behalf of people who need your help. We got to be more Christ-like. We people with access and influence need to speak up. Some of us on our jobs, we got we to gotta communicate to our jobs and ask them, hey, what are y'all doing about what's going on? You, gotta, you might have to send an email, have a conversation with your boss and say, hey, you know, I know you see what's happening. What are we as a company going to do about it? What's our position on these things? Because we got to begin to tune the pressure up and speak up and say, hey, we're not going to be silent. We don't have to meet. We don't have to throw stuff out of order and, and turn stuff all upside down. But we got to be able to speak up. But something's got to be done. That's how we can help. We can help by, by saying something, by, by, by crying out, by speaking up. I'm wrapping up today, but the community has to look different, and it starts in the church. We're out there. We're protesting. We're angry. But if the church does nothing and the church stays complicit with what's happening, this is going to be hard to turn because the church is imperative. The church is important in this hour. If you are a believer, you matter now. We can't judge. You want to help? Stop, stop judging. For when folk need help, just help them. We sometimes we stop helping folk because we want to judge what's happened. Stop judging and just help. You want to help? Hold their confidence. As they reach out to you, hold their confidence, hold their trust, and be willing to be there and help out. Be a community that does that. Be a community that looks out for your brother, sees your brother, and helps your brother. Be that community. That's the community that we need. We're not going anywhere unless we get that community. And we've got to be the people of God who are determined that this is the type of community that we're going to have. We're not going to settle for anything less because this is what he talks about. This is the love of Christ. I'm closing and I just want to pray. But the power of the love of God 
has to be demonstrated now more than ever. Hatred can't continue to have a stronghold in the church. Don't take this moment lightly. Don't think it's by accident that coming through a COVID situation that this is happening. Nothing takes God by surprise. And here's an opportunity for true change to happen. But are we going to let the opportunity pass by? Or are we going to move with the opportunity that God has given us? And we got to realize that love takes sacrifice. And it's going to cost. I know I'm challenging a lot of people. Some people may not even hear this, but take the message. I'm challenging people. This takes sacrifice. People talk about when you're taking a knee and Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick lost about $15 million by taking a knee. Most of us would have kept the $15 million in our pocket and just said, oh, it's a tragedy about what's happening and kept the money. But that's the problem in America Every in the first place. Everything's about the money. Everything's about the prestige. Everything's about my power. Your power will show you who you really are. It's going to cost. You have to rumble some feathers. Some people are not going to like you when you call your denomination and say, hey, what are we doing about this? That's not on our agenda. Well, put it on the agenda. What are you doing about this? Everybody ain't going to be happy in your congregation when you have to have real conversations about what's really good. People are not always going to be happy, but, but if, if you see what God is doing, and you see people dying in the street that, that need your help. You got to arise to the occasion. Everybody's not going to like it. You might have to get some hate mail. That's okay. You might have to suffer ridicule. That's okay. But it can't be just people like that willing to sacrifice. Now we want to criticize him. Because we won't get on our knee. And come before the God and say, God, there's a problem we have in this nation. Use me to help bring a difference. I want to pray for you. I know we got to be moving forward and stuff is still happening in this nation. But we are going to have a community of love. We're going to love our brother. Because that's what God has commanded us to do. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we bless you. And we thank you, God, for the truth of your gospel. You said if somebody hates their brother, they don't know you. They're a liar. Help us in our imperfection to not hate our brother, but to love. And God, our heart is broken when we see what's happening in our nation. But we want to see change, and so we humble ourselves before you. God, empower your people to do the right thing, to be light, to do what's right, and to love in the community. Love covers a multitude of sin. So let the love arise, not our love, but your love, the love that you demonstrated. And it even seems like we die. God, we thank you that we will rise again. You will raise us up because you always stand behind what's right. And we thank you for that. So I pray for the brothers and sisters in the church worldwide, in the church in this nation, in the church in this local community. Bind us together. 
as one church, seeing each other as brothers and sisters. And if there's a need and we have good, that we'll use that good to help the needs of our brothers so that you'll be glorified. We don't want to be a broken church. We don't want to be a broken community. But we want to be light and salt in this world, proclaiming that the gospel is the truth. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen. Listen, if there's somebody here today, I know this is a powerful message that was aimed really towards the, the community and the church, but there's somebody here today, you've been listening and you say, you know what, I've never confessed Jesus Christ and I hear about this Jesus. I, I understand now that he died for me. I realize I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. If somebody wants to give their life to the Lord, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I confess my sin. I accept that you died for me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I am saved. I'm delivered. And I'm free. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, we're grateful to God for you because God is saving in this hour. There's some information on your screen. Reach out to us. Let us know that, hey, I've given my life to the Lord, and I want you to know that. If you know somebody that's a believer, somebody that's walking with Jesus, ask them, will you walk with me? Will you walk with me as I follow Jesus? Somebody wants to join the church? Hey, we're still taking folk. We love you. We would love for this to be the place. Even though we're virtual, hopefully we'll see you in person. But we're walking this thing out together because this is a community that's of light, a community that's right, and a community that is a loving community. And we want you to join with us. God bless you. It's tough times, but we're going to get through this. Never forget, never forget that God is on our side. Last thing before we go, we want to pray over our offering. It's still a joy. It's still a pleasure to give unto the Lord. God's work is still taking place. We're still serving. We're still connecting. We're still being the church. Remember, the church is not closed. Okay, we are still functioning. The building is closed, but it's going to open up in God's time. But we as a church are on a mission. We're needed now more than ever. So let's pray over our offering. God has blessed us. We want to give back to him according to his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you. God, you enabled us to have increase in this earth. And so we give back our 10%. We give back our portion, our offering to you. God, receive it, God, with the hearts that we give it, joyful hearts. And we look forward to somebody being saved, delivered, and set free. God, we look forward to being able to meet the needs of your people, that there'll be no lack in your body. And we thank you that your truth and your gospel will march on. And so we love you, God. We honor you, and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Church family, we love you. God bless you. We'll catch up with you real soon. We'll be plugging in on Wednesday. But stay faithful. Remember, in Christ, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And trust me, you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. If you need us, reach out to us. We'll be there for you. God bless you in Jesus' name.